0: Hello, my name is Cy I'm a scientist, a writer, and a Christian, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, The Works of His Hands, which is also the title of my prize-winning book published by Kriegel Press with an introduction by Alistair McGrath. The subtitle of the book, A Scientist's Journey from Atheism to Faith, describes the major theme of the book, and this podcast will include episodes on similar themes, not just about my own personal journey, but also exploring the connections between modern science and Christian faith. Remember, science is distilled doxology. The following episode was taken from a two-hour discussion between myself and atheist activist Aaron Ra on the Modern Day Debate YouTube program. It was originally recorded on July 28th, 2019. At this point, Aaron and I knew each other from a number of online appearances, sometimes on the same side and sometimes in opposition. It remains as one of my favorite interactions with the strong atheist. I happened to see a debate with inspiring philosophy and I heard something you said which struck me and it was your definition of evidence yeah and i what i wrote down was that you said uh, a definition is a fact object or an objectively verifiable body of facts that positively indicates or, conc- or conclusively concords with a particular position
1: yeah, yeah. what i did with that was right. i took the standard definition which i mean like the most probably succinct definition of evidence i've ever heard was you know the fact that indicates Right. but there's some confusion in that if you go just with that sentence. You can't claim the same fact as evidence of two different mutually exclusive conclusions. If there is a fact that is that, that consistently agrees with both sides and would still be true in either case, then that's just a fact. It doesn't become evidence until it indicates one or eliminates the other. So that's, that's one of the reasons that I said that it
0: has to be positively indicative of. So this was all in the context of a statement you made, I think it was in response to a question, that there is no evidence for God. Yes. None. Right. And with this definition, that that statement is not unreasonable because I don't know of any exclusively concordant evidence that points to God and not to the absence of God. It was starting out with objective scientific evidence I think that the bar you're setting is way too high because even within science, the idea you wouldn't consider it actual evidence until it was uh, exclusively pertinent to one particular interpretation, okay, one particular conclusion, that's a very high bar. And what we usually find in science is that you get lots of evidence and you don't know where it's pointing and it may be very weak evidence. In fact, if you look at most scientific papers, what you'll see is people say things like, this is consistent with, or this may provide some evidence for the idea that, and and that's not just modesty, that's actual correct scientific thinking, because until you're really at the stage where everything fits together quite well, and you're at the stage, say, where evolution or gravity or the standard model or whatever you're looking at that's well accepted as real and true, until you get there, you're not really sure that you, the little evidence that you have is actually pointing strongly to, your, to what you're talking
1: about. Well, to, to address what you just said about the high bar, I mean, first of all, the reason that I say that it's a body of facts is because mm-hmm. <clears throat> most of what I've read about uh, the scientific interpretations of evidence do always talk about how it's a it's a collection it's because you you can refute any one fact through right. some kind of reasoning if you got if you do enough apologetics and backflips you can you can you can address that what you can remove the one tree out of the forest but it is always a body of facts which are all you know, that, that combined or in combination right. always you know support this one position over any other and and evidence and evolution is a beautiful example of that yeah I don't I don't think I don't think I set a very high bar at all I can't think of an example in evolution for example that that where any of the any of the facts that we use for evolution don't fit the definition I've given
0: no you're right and 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 that's why I used evolution as a counterexample to what I'm saying and so, however there was a time when that was not true at the very beginning of the 20th century when uh, the the work of Mendel was first brought back people people misunderstood what the new science of genetics was saying and thought that it actually refuted darwinism Uh, It wasn't until uh, the the Hardy-Weinberg equilibrium came along and and these two mathematicians said, no, that's not refuting at all, (laughs) because it looked like dominance and recession was going to wipe out the idea of natural selection, and that was not true. So at that point, what happened was not only did genetics not refute evolution, it actually strengthened it, and that took another couple of decades, but there was a period of time when the evidence for evolution was weak. And that's my point. There's in any in any scientific field, there's always a time when you get some evidence and it's not very good. Or it's just it's just a little bit weak. Any grant has to have a hypothesis. Before you can get a theory, you've got to have a hypothesis which says, I think this may be happening. And here are the experiments I want to do. To see whether or not it is or is not happening. And so you have to propose a hypothesis. Now, you need evidence for a hypothesis. You can't just say, I think Coca-Cola causes cancer, because whatever. And I use that's an actual example, by the way, that I I got. Uh, And but you can say, I think smoking causes cancer, right? Uh
1: and, and the reason that the, the difference between them being is we do have the fact being the correlation between smokers and and having- No, cannabis
0: actually cannabis. that came later. The, really? the, ori- the original hypothesis that smoking caused cancer was due to some observations, very weak evidence that people who smoked a lot seem to have worse cancers. But the problem was when that But that hypothesis was first proposed. It was rejected because the the experiments that were done, they were actually epidemiological uh, observations, suffered from the fact that about 80 percent of everybody smoked. This was in the 1950s. Yeah. So there were very no there were almost no controls. There was nobody to, to compare to. So the first paper that Ernst Winder put out was showing a very weak correlation of smoking with cancer, but it was a correlation, but it was not really strong. Okay. Eventually some people stopped smoking. There were more controls. The studies got better and better. The evidence slowly built and now it's back. So but not disputed by anyone. My point is that when you start looking at something scientifically, you start with that kind of weak evidence to allow yourself to propose a hypothesis. Just for the sake of people listening who may
1: not know, um, when we talk about you know the difference between theory and hypothesis, it, would it be fair to say that's going to be a let's call it a guess, but one that is testable
0: an and potentially yes, it's usually a, it's an educated, an educated
1: guess. guess is fine, and it's it's testable and potentially falsifiable.
0: Exactly, it has to be. Right. Okay, the hypothesis has to be built on something okay so it has to be there has to be a little bit of evidence even to propose the question second you have to have a way to test it and that often requires methodology and you and and what will be evaluated is will the methods you're proposing be good enough to actually give you an answer yes or no to the hypothesis yeah
1: And, and i understand that one of the rules is that you can never prove a hypothesis correct it's like going into a trial and proving someone innocent right you right. you can you can say we didn't prove them guilty right. but that doesn't mean they were proven innocent because there's no such thing as proven right. so in much the same way you can't have a hypothesis proven correct you can only
0: disprove yeah, that's right because if you if you say that something is proven, then you're admitting that there's no possibility that something else won't, will come along and refute it, and that has happened so often in science. We just don't use the word proof. We do try to establish uh, whether the hypothesis is valid and w- if it is we can then develop a theory, which is a much higher level, and it usually involves more than one hypothesis. But now, let me get, let me switch gears a little bit, because I'm glad we had this discussion about evidence and hypothesis, et cetera, because it all bears on this whole question of whether there is evidence for God. So my view is that there is evidence for God but that it's not the kind of strong evidence that one gets, for example, after doing experiments or doing observations or testing a hypothesis. And I think that there is enough evidence for God to warrant the idea of testing a hypothesis, but we have a problem, and that is, we don't know how to do that. That's probably the three most important words that a scientist can say, I don't know people would say to me on occasion, okay, you're a scientist. I hear two scientists argue about something. How do I know which one is right? And my answer is the one who says he's got it all figured out is wrong <laughs> by definition, okay? Yeah. And at this point, we have evidence for the existence of something. I mean, God is a good word, but we can call it creator. We can call it a spiritual force outside the universe, something that created the universe. That's that. There is some web evidence for that, but at this moment, at this point in time, we don't have the tools to test it. Well,
1: and then we fact, also have to know what God is, or and and here's right. why this is important. You always hear the contradictions about you know people claiming Einstein both on the atheist side and on the and on the the believer side, and and Einstein made very clear that what he believes is not what the creationists, what the Christians, what generally the Abrahamic faith, what, so far as I know, what any theistic faith would identify as a God. And yeah. he made clear that what he believes in is like Spinoza's God. That it, it's like that there's a sense to the universe and this is not a personal God that he doesn't believe in. He definitely does not believe in the Bible. He called it fairy tales with no justification. You know, so so Einstein is not... He's not theistic, right? And now he, what well, he said from the perspective of a theist, a theist should regard him as atheist. So, for all intents and purposes, he is atheist. If you, if you're a Christian and you, and you, then Einstein has told you that from your perspective, he's atheist, right? But from my perspective, as an atheist, he's not. Because he right. believes that the universe has some sort of Spiritual, order, right? That it, yeah, that, that, that the universe is, itself is imposing this order, so that Einstein believes in this higher power
0: that is not a god. We, are, as a Christian, and I know what I mean by God, and it, but it's not a scientific definition. It's a faith-based definition. It's a definition. Uh, that comes from non-scientific sources, such as the Bible, uh, such as uh, my own personal experiences, which are not scientifically uh, useful. Uh, And I think that's true for many Christians. However, aside from that, some of the facts about the universe, including especially things like the fine-tuning of the cosmological constants, and the fact that the universe began, which was kind of a new and shocking event when it was actually uh, became public in the 60s. Uh, and is already being discarded now. It's not being discarded.
1: Sean Carroll. John Carroll came out and said that the universe never began.
0: Well, the Lincoln says that the past eternal universe is impossible. So we can argue. We will, we we let, will let the, the physicists. physicists argue. You know, because neither of us are. You're right. <laughs> Let's leave it alone. But in fact, in fact, that's exactly what I'm talking about. This is exactly what you get when you've got some data and you don't know what it means. And you're trying to formulate a hypothesis and a theory and you keep arguing and trying new things and trying to find things that, that will fit. Uh, and so we don't know yet. But it's certainly, there's certainly evidence, okay, it's not proven, it's not finished, that the universe began. The fine-tuning argument has also been attacked. The fact is that, again, this is why I I began with the whole idea of weak evidence, because that is evidence. It's not strong evidence, but it is positive, although weak, evidence, the existence of God one possibility for explaining fine-tuning is the multiverse another one is some physical law and a third one is that some agency designed the universe in such a way that it would allow the stars and eventually you know the evolution of people so that possibility has some evidence it's not enough to say we have shown you know scientific strong scientific evidence for god you should now believe. But it is enough to frame a hypothesis that the universe was created and designed.
1: Okay, well, we first have to agree, and I think we do, about possible. So, you know, you said that a number of things are possible. And it, if the common, you know, uh, low-hanging fruit of the religious world were right when they said that anything is possible, then for you to say that this is possible or that is possible would be meaningless. Everything is possible. So we know that some things are not possible. And one of the definitions that I use that that people get upset about is that in order for us to say whether something is possible, there has to be a precedent or a parallel, or in this case, you've given great examples of a verified phenomenon indicating that such possibility exists. Mm-hmm. And so even the multiverse, which is would, would require different physics, obviously, being extra universal.
0: Yes, correct. Right?
1: I uh, we would we would grant that as far as we can tell if the if the singularity is a thing that's going to require physics that we don't yet understand and and there's going to be a different kind of nature outside of our universe. Since we are we restricted to this one set of laws who knows what might and we, so we don't have anything that would restrict or or disable the existence of that multiverse. You know mm-hmm. it's it's just as likely as anything else. Right. But the the, the, the issue with God and again, we have to decide what a God is. Is my understanding of a God is impossible. It, it, I understand because, let, let, me, let, me, let me put it another way. We'll get to why God is impossible, but I first want you to
0: explain what is your definition of a God. My own personal definition of God is a God is the creator of everything, God exists as a trinity, the religious views of Christianity related to God
1: in the uh, in the Greek or the Hellenist pantheon mm-hmm. you know we have we have Zeus or Jupiter that that created everything and then we have Apollo who carts the Sun around the earth or if it so is that a god is Apollo a god
0: no because see there's a big difference between the Judeo-Christian view of God and all the gods because polytheistic gods are very very different in basic character from the concept of
1: god of the capital. So your definition they're not,
0: they're, not, they're not the same they're not within the same definition.
1: Okay, so your definition though eliminates hundreds of gods that were worshiped by millions of people for thousands Correct. of years. Yes. And so that is enact that you can't do that. You can't undef. you can't define what everybody believed all these people believed as a god. You can't say no my god is better than your god so your god isn't even a god anymore.
0: No, my god is different. And the idea that there would be a Capital G, God, who is transcendent, who is immaterial, who is imminent, who is, you know, an all-powerful, but not physical. Christians like me always say is that young earth creationists and atheists share an identical way of reading the Bible, which is that every word has to be taken at face value in the same way as every other word.
1: I, I would I'm gonna contest you on that because it's, that's not the case I mean uh, I I always read Genesis as metaphorical okay. I had to, I mean because the only value uh, the only value that, that that the Garden of Eden story the, all of it you know like through Genesis 3 the only value all of that collectively has is if it is a metaphor you know mm-hmm. it it literally does not make any sense if it's literally true Mm-hmm. And it has no value if it's literally true. At least it at least says something memorable. I mean, if you if you have childlike innocence and then you discover the difference between right or wrong, you can never return to your childhood again. Right. You can. Ne- it's like that old adage: you can never go home again because home has changed. Right. Well, then. And in this case, you've changed. So you can't be the innocent animal or the innocent child or
0: whatever prior state you were in once you achieve this level of so subject. you're interpreting the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and the story of eating from the tree etc so you're interpreting that as a metaphor and and that's very good so i'm i'm happy to hear that but why don't you use the same approach for the rest of the group? with theology you have
1: you have the impro- you have the approved interpretation of these passages i'm not going with theology at all i'm reading what the damn thing says and i'm right. com- coming to other What I think are vastly more reasonable conclusions about what it's talking about what inspired this
0: Well, you know uh, that that's interesting because the question of what inspired and what they're talking about and who they're talking to Which was a very ancient audience? uh, Which who had no knowledge whatsoever of what we now know? uh, is is an important part of interpretation of what the scripture means and what theologians, and there's not one approved answer. There, every theologian has a different view of what the Bible means. Uh, and I've read some of them. Not, I'm not extent. I'm not highly educated in theology, but I've read enough to know that there are some very interesting theological interpretations of Scripture that, to me, make a lot of sense biology used to be considered a branch of metaphysics. It was not considered science. Science was physics and later chemistry, and then there was philosophy, biology, you know, all the other fields, you know, rhetoric, language, all the other fields were metaphysical. Eventually, biology became a science. In the history of science, you don't even have to go to biology, you go to physics. There have been times when things that seemed supernatural that could never happen have actually turned out to be reality. So in other words, what we define as natural and what we define as supernatural is a moving target. Okay.
1: Well, we also have to say, remember conversely, every time we've ever assigned anything to be supernatural, it always turned out every single time to be wrong.
0: and it's not and it's not just that our definitions changed most of these magical explanations for things turn out not to be true i agree no all of them no there's
1: never been one that turned out to be actually magic how about the idea that something can be in two places at the same time where was that originally described as magic and then the scientific explanation failed
0: and it remained magic no 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 i'm we're we're talking across purposes yeah. I'm not saying that an explanation for something turned out that was magical turned out to be wrong, and science turned out to be right. That's clearly the case. We don't have to argue on that.
1: Well, they, but you're you're saying that the reverse has happened too, that it started out with a supernatural explanation, and that the supernatural explanation No,
0: no, not an explanation. Okay. The idea, the idea that something can be in two places at the same time, which was in science fiction, for example, mm-hmm. is magic, right?
1: well as is something coming from nothing but we understand that quantum physics
0: does that too exactly exactly quantum physics does a lot of things that used to be considered magical but they're not they're real now how did that But they're also not magical that's right that's right we now know they're not magical but we didn't know that 100 years ago did we okay so i I will grant
1: you that we understand that, that some things happen but that doesn't doesn't have to be magic that
0: we would have blamed it on magic, or that what we would have exactly. called magic. Exactly. Okay. And at this moment in time, what we're calling God we call we put in the supernatural context. We're in the same position with respect to God and to miracles and to all the things we now consider supernatural as we were 100 years ago with respect to things that we used to think were supernatural, like everything that has now been found by quantum mechanics to be natural and real still crazy but natural and real can't dispute
1: it i look at it slightly different than you do because when you're looking at both the the expanse the of the cosmos taken as a whole or if you look at the the boundaries of that in quantum physics that you're getting down into the very boundaries of what is real and so there seems to be an overlap with what isn't real, and that's that's yes. why we have quantum particles popping in and out of existence.
0: That's right. The other part of this argument is to use other kinds of evidence, but that is not currently scientific evidence, and that's the evidence that you mentioned that uh, you gave subjective evidence, subjective evidence. Right. Yeah, I,
1: I will grant that that you have you you can have subjective evidence, your personal experience. You're going to call that evidence. I can't deny that. I I had I'm not going to deny your experience. I can deny mine. I had direct right. contact with supernatural beings face to face. And it was a hard thing for me to realize eventually to come to grips with the fact that none of that happened.
0: I I've always thought that you're a very spiritual person. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. Uh but I do. And and I because there are people who are not spiritual. They they're not searching for anything. They're not you know, they, they don't have platforms the way you do. They don't speak the way you do. They don't have the passion that you do. Uh, they just don't care. You know, they're just out there doing their thing, and they don't care about any of this stuff. You that, that always bothered me about people, too.
1: Because <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's religion or if it's science or it's whatever the hell. I,
0: people who are incurious bother the shit out of me. Well, that's a lot of people, and you're not there. You're, you've <laughs> never been there, and you never will be. I completely sympathize with your experiences whether they were real whatever real means or not i don't know that's for you to say the experiences that i had were probably less dramatic than yours my experiences were probably you know relatively tame compared to some of the what you went through but i believe they're real uh i believe i i'm convinced that they're real not just the belief i'm absolutely positive so The final thing I would say, then, is that in in both of our cases, we've had these experiences. You made the determination that they were not real and it was not worth pursuing the idea of a spiritual or supernatural uh, influence on you. I made the opposite determination. And I will tell you now, frankly, I think that's fine. My goal is to try to, to help Christians who are finding a crisis in faith because of science. To understand that the two are not incompatible with you and, and
1: that's what you do that inspiring philosophy does that causes me to respect both of you because while i think that all religion every level is nothing but a crocodile just period all of it um there is there's degrees that i think I'm, I'm happy with one of the problems that i have in the united states right now is we're so very polarized right i remember you probably remember when we were young when we were children the common man knew that you would have to be a fool to reject science science is real but everybody at the same time had this notion that they go somewhere when they die and that was that was the main person right and and the atheists and the creationists were both on very far extremes but now we have a very polarized society where that middle of the road guy that that overlap that that venn diagram has completely changed yeah. So now that, that person who holds both perspectives is almost absent. We're like 48% this and 48% that. We have people who are walking away from religion in droves. That's why religion is in a steady state of decline. Yet at the same time, statistically, we have creationism and other forms of science denial, like flat earth and anti vaxxers and, and geocentrists and all that. That's all on the rise because we have people who are walking away from science altogether. And to be frank, I would rather have that
0: middle-of-the-road guy from the 1950s back. I'm in complete and total agreement with you on this issue, so I think we're probably ready for Q&A. Very good talk. Thank you, Cy. Thank you, Arn. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please subscribe to my podcast, And also check out my website at cygar.com, Take a look at my YouTube channel, Faithful Science, science is spelled S-Y-E-N-C-E, and follow me on Twitter and find me on Facebook. Thanks again, and God bless you all.